1: Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm,
0: maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay, I'll start with a salad.
1: For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition, available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland.
0: This guy was left nailed to the floor um, through his foot. I mean, I think there was a guard of witness, likened to like a, a former crucifixion, really cemented his reputation then as this, you know, violent, you know, psychotic, you know, very dangerous man. There was a real worry about what he might get, what he could get up to. I mean, his capabilities seem you know, quite frightening.
1: I'm Nicola Tallent, and you're listening to Crime World. A podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. New INLA enforcer George Macken is behind bars cozying up with the Kinehan cartel leaders in Portlaoise jail as he awaits sentence for money laundering. The brutal enforcer whose career in terror goes all the way back to his early 20s is a violent figure who once crucified a man with a nail gun. But on his days off, he loves nothing better than posing for family pictures with his long-term partner and their child. So what is going on behind the two faces of Macken? And what is he likely to do next? Today, I'm talking with journalist Eamon Dillon about the paramilitary hard man who has used the guise of the INLA to work with criminal gangs across the country. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So as I've been watching Jared Macken over the past sort of, I suppose, five or six years, he portrays himself very much as a family man with his long-term partner, Dee or Deborah, she calls herself. And often they're photographed on holidays together, doing very normal looking things. You know, he'd be swimming in the pool with a, a young child that would be with them and um, Do you know if you didn't know who Jared Mackin was or anything about his background, you would think this is an ordinary family guy, and it's probably similar to uh, a lot of these gangland criminals we talk about who kind of have two faces.
0: Yeah, I suppose they have their working persona, and then Mm. they're the happy family man when they go home. But yeah, look, I mean, like he, Jared Mackin, cemented his reputation as a very violent and dangerous criminal at a young age. He was only 24 uh, when he he was kind of basically connected to the, the double murders of Eddie Burns and Joe Jones in 2007. In
1: Belfast, as well.
0: In, in Belfast. Mm. And it would have been at a time when there was a lot of different, say, uh, uh, fragmentation of the various paramilitary dissident groups. So you had the, the continuity IRA that he, he was, you know, supposedly part of at the time. And these two men were supposed to have Broken away or were yeah. refusing to join, and had taken some guns with them, um, and and it was a fairly frightening, brutal murder, uh, and even the way the way it was carried out showed a, a real streak of ruthlessness. Now, just I mean, we can we'll go into the details, but mm. like, but like he, he like there's a there's a kind of a side story to this, and that he was he was actually convicted of the murders, and then that was one on appeal. Um, pretty much on a technicality on the way that the evidence was taken in Belfast, even though it was a special criminal court in Dublin, which we'll come back to as well yeah, if you want. Yeah, that's a strange one. Um, and then then there was a nulla prosecute, which is the state basically just dropping the case when it went for a retrial in 2011 because the the, the, the chief witness told a judge in, in Belfast, I'm not saying anything anymore because uh, I'm frightened I'm going to be killed. I, he'd been harassed, he'd been told very much so.
1: So he was in his very early 20s, he was involved with the INLA, at that point no he was
0: actually he well
1: he was a freelance <laughs> he, he was
0: well, he was he was involved in, at, at the time of the murders in 2007 he was with the continuity ira right oh, actually when he was convicted the first time of the the murder of Eddie Burns not not uh, Joe Jones when he's convicted of of um, of Burns's murder he ended. he was doing his time in E wing in Leash, which is the paramilitary wing and he was actually part of the INLA group so that was the first time that we've seen him being aligned with the INLA. And there was quite a bit of criticism mm. um, from other paramilitaries saying, what are you doing with this guy? Like, he, he's, not a, he's not a true Republican. He's not really, you, you know, a, a volunteer. Like, this guy is a dangerous criminal who's, you know, he's in it for the money. He's in it for, you know, whoever's going to pay
1: the most. Or, or- Which is what I would describe. I mean, if you, you know, if you went into the dictionary to look up what these dissidents were, that's exactly how I would describe them in my urban dictionary. They are criminals who are in for the money, whoever is going to pay it. They're jumping from one paramilitary organisation to the next. They're very fluid. There always is kind of rouse over leadership, splits in them. They're not structured, proper organisations. I think it's like as if maybe a simplistic way of saying it is they're full of chaotic characters.
0: Well, I'm not going to say to be fair to the Provisional IRA or the the official IRA, but the the, the larger paramilitary organisations back during the Troubles, there was what I suppose for for to use a military term, there was an officer class. Mm. Whereas at this point, you know, following the Good Friday Agreement, there was very much a splintering. The officers were very few and far between on the ground, and so basically you had these cells or these units or whatever way you want to. to to uh, describe them, would coalesce around two or three hard men, people who were willing to carry out, you know, violent acts and who also still had access to weapons. And Macken would have been one of mm. these young guys who was drawn in. And obviously, older people were quite happy to have someone of his, I suppose, capabilities, like working for them and not for, you know, the opposition side.
1: I mean, and these young guys, I think, funny, when you, when you, when you scratch the surface of their political our Republican beliefs, they have the basics, they know a little bit of the background, but they don't really have any deep political thought, which no matter what people say, those old sort of provosts, those hunger strikers were very deep, you know, intelligent, educated people.
0: Yeah, there was a strategy, arguably, all along. Um, No, there was a strategy, in fairness, you know, which I think you know, most people, a lot of people would disagree with, um, and and that was you know the armed struggle and to force, to, to force negotiations, you know, to, to to a you know some form of United Ireland, and that still remains the goal of the republican movement, is to see a United Ireland, you know, as a single
1: nation. And what they believed was also the betterment of society, perhaps for their children. So there was that sort of.
0: Yeah, but there was is, also there was also a big mix. Don't forget as well. Yeah. Like I mean, you, you had kind of you, you know I suppose some people that would be Catholic fundamentalists who were mm. you know were, were, were volunteers alongside rubbing shoulders with sort of Marxists and hardcore yeah. communists and and then you had everything in between. You had people who were motivated for personal reasons, you know, who had lost loved ones or whatever, you know, who had, and violent oh, psychopaths yeah, definitely and, thrown into. Yeah, them. and and don't forget and don't forget that there was like you know a, like a, a, a shocking you know, regime in the north, you know, preceding the Troubles where you did have a, a, a you know, a sectarian state that was very much aimed at keeping Catholics down. Mm. And, you know, and of course, this was, is it became a, a very useful tool in later times for the Provisional IRA as a, as a recruiting tool. You, I mean, there's so many arguments about, you know, should the arms struggle from the 1960s should it have continued after 1974 after the, the Sunningdale Agreement, or you know, was it really over then? And that's kind of, I suppose, the official IRA's viewpoint and all. You know, I mean, mm. you, could, you could get into it. And but yeah, I think to get back to Mac, and yeah, I don't think it's it, I don't think it troubles him.
1: Absolutely not. That was the point. But to get back to him, how was he? On trial in the Special Criminal Court in Dublin for a murder, the double murder that happened in Belfast. How did that happen, and was that a kind of a first? Did he opt for it, or was it some sort of a? What was it?
0: Yeah, no, it's it. it, There was um, apparently it's the Criminal Law Jurisdiction Act, and he was the first person under this, one of the first people I think under this legislation that you could opt to be to go on trial in this country. Uh, ra- rather than than in the UK mm. or Northern Ireland, on, on the basis that I think this is look, people say, "Well, I'm not going to get a fair trial if you put me in front of a, a British jury or in front of a Diplock court or in front of you know an English judge." Whereas you know I'll take my chances and you'll judge me fairly if I'm if I'm here in the special Before criminal the special
1: court. I was <laughs> just laughing at that. <laughs> it, uh, it shows again how mixed up the likes of of Jared Mack are because yeah. there's not too many. That yeah,
0: would, I'm uh, not sure. I'm not sure really of of, of the background behind it you know like what was the kind of I suppose the jurisprudence or the, or the legalistic view mm. of, of why, why why this was why this was brought in but I think maybe I suppose it was a way of, it was a way of kind of certainly from the Irish side that we were cooperating with the UK that you know there was no hiding place for, yeah. for uh, uh, citizens in this country so that it couldn't be used an excuse well I can't get a fair trial if you extradite me and said so, well you will put you on trial here and you'll get a fair trial here mm-hmm and then we'll lock you up.
1: <laughs> and then we'll lock you up as we do 90 plus percent of the people who come before us. But anyway, so he was convicted in the special.
0: He was convicted in the special. And I, I think it's worth going back to, to the, some of that trial because mm. this is where his reputation comes from. Like, I mean, it, it came from, you know, is was in 2007. Um, Eddie Burns was a taxi driver. Um, Joe Jones was, you know, well, he was a taxi driver who had links with the continuity IRA as was Joe, as did Joe Jones and they, and Macken and two others, they'd been drinking with, with Jones and they decided obviously at some point that this, oh, well, this was pre-planned that they were going to, they were going to attack these two and they called Jones to come and bring him, or sorry, they, they called Burns who was the taxi driver to come and bring him. Um, and there was an, an, another man, another man who was giving evidence who was with them that Macken tried to shoot as well. Now this is all from the first trial. Um, and, Damien O'Neill was was shot twice and he survived and he was the main kind of prosecution witness. And he talked about when they basically had told, right, Eddie, we're hijacking your your your, um, your taxi. And he's saying, Eddie was pleading and saying, what's wrong? Why am we being shot here? He was pleading for his life. And Macken was just come up, coming up with stuff like, you know, F off. And he pleaded with him. He didn't want to go back. And then he shot him in the back of the head. He, he talks about him flopping around on the ground, um, shaking. And then he, he said Macken leaned over, um, to, to to O'Neill. He dra- grabbed it. There was a bit of a struggle. He chased him. He says he he he, he was shot um, and he was hit in the neck. And then he's expecting, um, he was expecting to be shot again. He saw Macken pointed the gun with him and was just clicking. It was just firing. And he ran for it. And he, he survived. And so he got away. He got, he got a passing motorist or passing taxi uh, got him away. Um, but then a couple of hours later, Joe Jones was um, lured out, somebody phoned, phoned him from his girlfriend's house, lured him out of the house, and he was beaten to death with a shovel. And it was, mm-hmm. it was described in, in some reports that he was, he was pretty much decapitated with this shovel. He, his head injuries were horrific. And there was never any evidence um, in terms of who actually did it, but it's suspected it was, it was you know Macken and the guys he was with that night you know, had carried that out. and But that really cemented his reputation then as this, you know, violent, you know, psychotic, you know, very dangerous man. Um, and when you consider that at that time, he was at the age of 24. Mm. That's where he kind of, I suppose, he, you know, he, that's where and he like qualified. like the details
1: of that crime show how that could very easily have been a triple murder, which, you know, even in times of the troubles and where we're at nowadays with organized crime in the South, that would be, No, it was a very shocking crime mm -hmm. at the
0: time. I mean, if you go back and, uh, like, I mean, it's funny the way, sometimes, the way, uh, like, our attention changes between, Mm. you know, different stories we're looking at in 2008. Who knows? I I can't remember what we were doing, but Macken wasn't on our radar. And yet you had this horrific double uh, killing in in, in Belfast, where if you go back and look at our colleagues, what they were writing, they were well aware of it. They knew well, like, you know, that this was was out of the ordinary. It wasn't a commonplace, you know, the so-called you know, uh, paramilitary assaults or what they used to call punishment beatings, that this was, you know, something... something this guy was going to stand out. Of, of, a, ...of a different nature. And
1: it, from his own mind, troubled, psychotic, whatever you might call it, his reasoning or their reasoning, was it a power struggle? Was it, a, you know, rumours of touting? You know, what was it?
0: Well, the, the, the pair, like... Burns and Jones were apparently going to break away and there was fears that they were going to set up their own rival paramilitary organization and it was as simple as that. that mm. And I think there was there was um, a question of some weapons may have been stolen. So it was very much about trying to get these these guns back. Uh, some of which I think were found in a bush near, near where um, Jones's body was found. Mm. So, you know, it was, yeah. there's no reason why... Similar really, to the I criminal underworld cases,
1: there, yeah. you can see how probably, you know, some little things starts to fester and then all of a sudden it goes completely out of all control and perhaps those weapons were there all along. And um, anyway, so this case is appealed and Mackin walks free on yeah, a the, technicality.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this is when he spent his two years in the high security prison in Port Leash, and he was part of the INLA group. So, you know, he's starting to, you know, I suppose, become clearer on the radars of the likes of us at this stage. Um, but then he's yeah he's, he's there's a retrial um, and I think there was I think there was one or two days of evidence and then Jamie O'Neill who, who was the again going to be the main prosecution witness told the the judge in in Belfast that he was giving evidence in front of which was obviously being you know going to mm-hmm. be used then in the special criminal court uh, and he says I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm withdrawing my statement because I've been threatened. Mm-hmm. And there was a, an argument then from the prosecution, could they use his previous statement? And that was overruled by the judge in Belfast. And that was it. Uh, the, 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 case, the case against him was dropped. And out so, he walked. And, and out he walked. And it wasn't that too long afterwards then, he again was, um, he, he was prosecuted for demanding money with menaces from a couple in Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that also went as far as this, the, the special criminal court. And again, the witnesses and that uh, withdrew, withdrew their statements. And again, he got a null entered against them from, you know, entered on behalf of the state. So he was he was free again.
1: Now, at this point, you're talking, you're coming up to sort of around 2010 and beyond that. He's based in largely in Belfast, even though he's up and down across the border.
0: Yeah, actually, we're further on. We're, we're about 2014, 2015. So we're getting close to the Regency. To and the contribute.
1: Regency. So because what I knew of him as well, which could have maybe been in between those two dates, so maybe around the 2012-2013 mark. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but he at one point was vying, he believed, for leadership of the INLA down in the South. Um, you know, the, the the job had come up, shall we say, and he was hoping that he was going to be put in as, there was a you know, it was a, a role commander or something was the name of it. And he was pretty sure he was going to get it. But another guy by the name of Red Garburn from Tala actually was put into the role. And Red Garburn ended up based in Tasagert House in the Mansfield property um around the time in the run-up to the um the kidnap of Martin Byrne, who was the Mansfield seniors uh, uh, security officer who ended up on the witness protection program. Um so the the INLA crew under Red Garburn were based on that Tisagart property as security when Desi O'Hare's crew moved in to kind of as a you know to try and take over crazy stuff was going on down there at the time but um, nonetheless Mackin had hoped for that role didn't get it and at that point so I'm not sure on the date but it's certainly before 2014 and after 2010-2012 he broke away and decided that he was actually going to go it alone. He didn't need to be part of the INLA anymore. And all of a sudden, we start referring to him as the new INLA. And I think he's making connections in Dublin and in Limerick.
0: Yeah. And I mean, during a lot of this time, some of his court's appearances, the address given as well as Tala. Right. Um, So that's where Macken has been based since, I mean, basically since Mm. uh, 2007. Like he he left Belfast and hadn't gone back since that double murder. And he'd he'd been based in, you know, south of the border. Um, so, yeah, so this new INLA is basically coalescing around Macken. And, and there's, I don't know, it's about 10 or 12 sort of criminal figures. Um, you know, there's, there's people that we know.
1: Well, in Dublin, alike. you had the likes of Johnny Kyo and you had um, Eamon Cumberton.
0: Yeah, and, and Nicky McConnell, of course, as well. Mm. Like so, yeah, yeah. And then and I'm not sure exactly who he was with in Limerick, but he seemed to be based down there for a while as well. Mm. And again, of course, you know, the, the kind of, their their kind of fundraising operations then is is what led to his next uh, court case and and a a two and a half year prison sentence, basically extorting other people, um, demanding money with menaces. And again, you know, he he lived up to his his reputation for being, you know, a fairly unsavory character.
1: Mm. So in Limerick, and that story is pretty horrific as well. But do you think that, he is forming essentially criminal alliances at this point. I mean, Johnny Keogh and Eamon Cumberton and all the rest of it, they're kind of loosely operating together under a banner of the new INLA. And in Limerick, with his connections down there, he's sort of purporting to be political or paramilitary. But ultimately, he is an enforcer.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a criminal. He's a hard man, or even you know, if he's as as even if you, you want to use paramilitary terminology, like you know, he's 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 a foot soldier. Like you know, he's he's a guy who wants to go out and pull the trigger. He's certainly not going to be an armchair general strategizing about you know how they're going to you know turn it into a thirty-two county republic. You know, it's very much let's let's get to the next payday and 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 we'll, you know we'll enjoy ourselves a bit and you you know they're really using using the Republican mm. movement colours, so to speak, to, yeah. to kind of give lie to, you know, the real activity, which is they're they're just, you know, they're about taxing uh criminal gangs or, or or even people who are working in the black market who haven't declared their cash to the to the uh the authorities. And and that's you know they were they were hitting up some of of uh, some some of the business people connected with the Raquel Rovers, right? Like who we've talked about before, mm. you, you know, who, who are involved in all sorts of activities, whether it's cigarette smuggling or tarmacking, and of course there's the Rhinohorn gang, and then there's others who are who are involved in legitimate business, but you know, mightn't be fully paid up when it comes to revenue and so on, um, and and like the the I mean, the it came out in that in that case then in, in I think it was 2017. Uh, they used a, he used a nail gun to nail a man's foot to the floor, mm. um, and there was striking kind of um, there was striking testimony in that case that the, the man involved, like you know, said he'd been called to the house by someone he knew. Um, when he went when he went in, Mackin was there with some others. He was told he owed fifteen thousand euro, and I, they, they actually think they might have he might have had the wrong man. Right. So the the you know the person who got nailed to the floor it, it was the wrong person. Um, so maybe f- it's quite possible in this case that the the, the Rathkeel technique of using similar names might not have worked out well <laughs> in, in, for one particular man. But yeah, so like, I mean, this guy was left nailed to the floor um, through his foot. I mean, I think there was a, gar- a guard of witness, like, likened to like a, a former crucifixion. Like, but he was able to free himself and drive himself to hospital. But he, he spoke in, in, in terms like how it left him absolutely terrified and, had a huge effect on his life and again yeah yeah i mean,
1: but this business of sort of operating under that new INLA thing um that extortion stuff and uh we can come back to how he was caught in relation to that crucifixion but the extortion stuff of both legitimate businessmen and criminals it's similar to what Alan Ryan did during his years as the head of the real IRA. And ultimately, he was going after everybody who had money and threatening, you know, to firebomb them or to, you know, to kill them. Uh, money was supposed to be going up north into the Prisoners Fund, but ultimately it was going into his pocket and the pocket of other members of his gang. And this new and new INLA tag that Jared Macken worked under, Presumably, when you go to extort money from somebody, you feel a little bit more superior if you're asking for the money for prisoners.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's a it's a tried and tested business model. Like, mm. I mean, it's, it's worked for 30, 40 years in this country, so why change it? I mean, you're not necessarily going to pay up to a criminal gang. You kind of think, well, this guy's on his own. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, when, when Macken turned up in, in Limerick that time, like, you know, some of my contacts in in, in that area, in Rakil, were were asking me, or they were telling me about him. He was here, and they were absolutely terrified of him. And they were asking me, mm. "What, you know, how did I, you know, what did I know about him? Like, you know, was this reputation justified? Because they've heard all this story about, you know, the, the murders in Belfast, and they wanted to know was it true? You know, so uh, I, I, there was, there was, you know, he 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 introduced a little reign of terror, like you know, and he, he very much kind of wanted to say he was the new. He was the new uh, Dundans in a sense yeah. that if you're going to pay for protection, it's me you're going to pay. I was and that, that sort of,
1: you know, question, does he have an army behind him? Because that's what that whole idea of, of be, being a dissident was about to him. But he's caught in relation to that. And he's either in custody or he's been convicted by the time the regency happens.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, so, you yeah, you would have had his, his group then, I guess, um, like yeah, he was he was serving his two and a half years. Uh, so when the regency happened, he was in prison. Um, in relation then, to this it,
1: crucifixion, yeah. yeah. Um, uh,
0: but his his group then had basically signed up. You know, they'd been by the and Cartel, who were, as we know at the time, you know, throwing the money around or well, the promise of money around, mm. looking for you know any kind of active service criminal unit that they could find that would be able to carry out attacks on on whatever targets they, were, they deemed necessary. So that's that's when you had. Um, You know Michael Barr's murder and Gareth Hutch, which were pretty close together in 2017. Uh, uh, So I mean, like you know, they were useful.
1: 2016,
0: they were both. 2016. So I mean, they were very much part of of. I suppose, the freelancers that were brought in. Mm-hmm.
1: They are the very early days of the feud. And I mean, of course, you know, the rumours have abounded that Johnny Keogh and Eamon Cumberton, who were both part of that Dublin mob of Jared Macken, that they were the two who went to Lanzarote the previous New Year to try and take out the, the monk and legend and the story. Has it that he became suspicious they were seen in Lanzarote, these two... Thugs, essentially, from Dublin. And he went out the back of the pub he was in and survived. Um, Johnny Keogh and Cumberton were both signed up on the promise of big money at the very beginning. Keogh was a sort of uh, a guy who was living in the north inner city, as was Cumberton. And they knew everybody that the Kinnahan mob wanted to target. They knew them personally. I think Johnny Keogh actually lived across the road and possibly went to school with Gareth Hutch, who was murdered in Avondale House. Um, He had gone to a politician in order to be transferred from there because he felt so under threat where he was living with his young child. Um, And Cumberton too knew a lot of people that were involved in the Hutch faction and the Kinahan faction, because of course, as is always forgotten, they all worked together once. So they all knew one another. In a way, like a lot of people wouldn't have realized it. And it was so chaotic back in those days. There was very little lucky that was going on, but the fact that Macken wasn't out on the streets was a bit of a blessing in those early days.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt when you look at his record, um, mm. you know, the damage he, he might have done, you know, we don't know. Mm. Um, I mean, the only thing is he's so distinctive looking. Like, he you know, he, he's, he's, he's not hard to miss.
1: I always say this, that he looks as if he's just, if you, if anybody wants to have a look at a picture of him, he looks to me like his brain is on the outside of his body. <laughs> right. Do you know, like, as if it's sort of not that there's no skull proper. He's very distinctive looking. And, of course, he's broad. He's tattooed. If he grows his hair, it's ginger. He definitely stands out.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, when he came out of Castlery Prison in 2018, uh, we were there with some photographers. And, uh, you know, it it wasn't a question of, oh, is that him? Or do you think that's him? Or, oh, maybe that's him. You know, the moment he walked out, you knew it was him. Like, you know, and he came out in his flip-flops, his shorts, big smile on his face delighted, a young lady there to meet him and I think someone else was driving and off they went. He was pretty, pretty happy to himself. But he was, he was, uh, I mean, you'd spot him a mile off. So I I don't know, you you wonder how effective he might be. I mean, When he was
1: let out at that point, 2018, I mean, they were still very dangerous times. Um, The feud hadn't totally quelled and there was still a lot of money floating around for people, still a lot of people as there are today who are targets of the Kinnahan organisation, was he from your memory was there a kind of a bulletin sent out about his release was he one of those criminals whose release back into the community was something that was going to have to be monitored very carefully
0: i know there was yeah there was there was yeah. there was a real kind of fear that something mm-hmm. bad could happen um and and there was a sense as well that it was unpredictable what might happen that just because some members of you know his his loose organisation had been involved with the kinnehens before didn't necessarily follow that he was going to remain that way mm-hmm. um so I mean, there, there was a real worry about what he might get, what he could get up to I mean his capabilities seem you know quite frightening
1: and because plus, of course when he was on his way out Johnny Kyo was in he was at that point uh, serving a life sentence for the murder of Gary. Gareth Hutch, and Eamon Cumberton, his other friend, was uh, serving a life sentence for the murder of Michael Barr. Nicky O'Connell, of course, had disappeared for some time, um, but is currently before the special criminal court charged with murder himself. But the the gang had broken up, but that wasn't to say that he didn't have connections. He didn't have others who would come to the table with him if he needed uh, to strong arm people.
0: Yeah, and we know now that he he pretty much went straight back to work. Mm. Um, I, like he he was caught. I think he was out. He was out at the end of twenty eighteen, and then he he was arrested over these money laundering charges, which he's recently pleaded guilty to. Um, that was in, in very early twenty nineteen. Mm. So whatever it was, four thousand seven hundred euro, knowing it to be the proceeds of crime. That's all we know at the minute. We don't have any details. You know what the circumstances are. Whether it was involved in extortion or or sales of goods or, or something like that. We don't know. Mm. And we know then, like, not long after his arrest, that was kind of hanging over him. Um, and he hadn't been charged at that time. So he did leave the country. And again, like, you know, it's probably a good thing that that he he was out of here. Uh, they, he was he really only free in Ireland for a relatively short space of time. Um, we know that he was definitely in Spain, He's put up his own social media pictures of him being in Dubai, yeah. and he was telling people uh, that you know he he'd, he'd acted as a personal bodyguard guard for Daniel Kinahan on occasions, whether well, that's in Dubai or mm. elsewhere. Or in we his don't head. know, or it, <laughs> or maybe just in his head. I mean, you know, I mean, like you're saying, like in you know the social media pictures, like he's putting up, like he's an ordinary dad on holidays, mm. you know, and taking it easy, you know. And then so he came up then like in on the radar again. I think it was April 2021. When he was arrested in Spain, it was the same week that Johnny Morrissey was arrested. So, and of course there was, oh, is this part of the same thing? Is it part of the the, the Kinnaghan cartel, you know, money laundering operation? Has he really gone that senior? But then, no, we find out it's for the, the charges back in Limerick. And it's the European arrest. So he, he was given bail on that, actually, in Spain. But then he did turn up uh, last December and was arrested at Dublin Airport, you know, obviously.
1: So he's already serving his time in connection with that. Y-
0: yeah, so he's been in custody mm. now since last December. Um, and he's, I think it's the 30th of March, he's going to be sentenced. So... It,
1: you see, that could be a similar case along the lines of, and that, that uh, money laundering. I mean, I would say if you looked at the figures and just, you know at how many people had been arrested, convicted, pleaded, whatever, and all that. They're going after everybody for money laundering. If you look at the case of Graeme the Week Whelan, they actually used the money he paid for the hotel suite as seen as the sort of money laundering because he was using the money that he knew to be proceeds of crime to pay for something. So 4,700 could could literally be a hotel bill. We'll find out, but, um, you know, it's not massive money. He's not being caught with massive money, but with his history, he could be facing three or four years.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's a, I suppose it's a, it's a tool, I think, that the guards are borrowing from their colleagues in the Criminal Assets Bureau, mm. that just because the cash is gone doesn't mean it still can't be deemed the proceeds of crime, that if there's a car or a piece of jewellery or you know, in some cases we've seen recently a, a christening. Yeah, that was that was five grand was paid for. That you know, that's all evidence that can be used.
1: Now, a most interesting story you had in the Sunday World there in the last week was that Macken is serving his time with the Kinnahans, so he's been welcomed in to their world within the prison system.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's 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 with the ODCs, the Ordinary Decent Criminals, or the Gangland Criminals, rather, in Port Leash. I mean, Port Leash is basically what you have there is is the paramilitaries mm-hmm. who there's no way they're going to have him back at this stage I mean he he had his chance back in whenever it was between two thousand and eight and twenty eleven when he did his time with the paramilitaries the inla um so now he's back in port le he, he's yeah he's with the likes of Freddie Thompson and you know he'd be not, not necessarily on the same landing or anything, but the, the and the only other ca- course category apart from that is are the guys who were brought in. They're, they're the kind of or, very ordinary prisoners who are often doing short sentences, well behaved, um, and, and they're there to do the cleaning and you know and, and the jobs that the paramilitaries won't do. <laughs> Uh and, <laughs> and, and you know, and and they're and they're in in the prison as well. But like, I mean he'd be on a he'd be on a fairly restricted regime. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, they do split them up. I mean, not not all the Cinhan cartel are in, because there's so many of them. Not all of the Cinhan linked people are in
1: leash So I was going to actually ask you, who is there apart from Thompson? Um Johnny Kyo, I think I was reading something, is he he's been moved around because he keeps getting into fracas with people. He's obviously a very volatile personality. Yeah,
0: and we've seen that with Calen Smith as well, yeah. who we know that Macken was friendly with before he, he got locked up. Um, mm. I think the, pre, you know, or sorry, when he came out he after was, the, the 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 extortion. the, the He was certainly the collated
1: case. with Cale and Smith at um, Yeah, they were using the, the same address at yeah. one
0: point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, uh, Smith has been moved around in various prisons at this stage because of, you know, various trouble he's got involved. So Desi O'Hare that. is in there. So how does that all work? Uh, very carefully, I'd imagine. Mm. Like, you know, I mean, it's... I mean, God, we think about it. Must be a most
1: lovely prisoner, by the way. Desi O'Hare just sits in his prison cell and does his yoga. Well, he
0: spent spent many years not speaking and doing his yoga and his art when he was, you know, doing his. Like, uh, how long did he spend? Was it forty years in prison? I tell you what, he's such a
1: fascinating character. We have to do a separate pod on him completely because that is the case. He is down there, and he's absolutely, apparently, so pleasant everybody's pal, doesn't have a television, doesn't believe in having a television in a cell and just does his yoga and keeps himself to himself and is very zen. I mean, again, that whole idea. You sound
0: like you, you <laughs> might enjoy that mind, actually.
1: <laughs> just for a couple of weeks or an hour. But it's that whole Again, that whole sense of the two faces, the two different personalities, the Jekyll and the Hyde, what they present to the world like Macken does with his loving family and his holidays. And I mean, I've slightly gone over the top saying that he looks like any normal individual. He does look a bit scary, you know, physically. You could
0: say that about... Some of the junior rugby players that I used to well, run around a soggy pitch with if you, if you if you met them on a dark night. He's, you'd be slightly he's very
1: tattooed and he does have a kind of a, a look to him that, you know, you would maybe give him a second glance if you saw him uh, and, somewhere.
0: And funnily enough, like his record in Castle Ray, uh, like when he came out that time, mm. you know, sources were talking about how he was absolutely model prisoner and was a very good boy, even though they suspected him of orchestrating the, it, pretty much the, the uh, supply of illegal drugs in the prison that, you know, he was, he was getting a cut or he was certainly, he was the big dog on the block, but he never put a foot wrong. He, you know, he, he never got a P19, you know, the disciplinary sheets or anything like that. He was very well behaved. And of course, there's one of the things the judges in the special criminal court asked for before um, his sentencing is a report from the, the governor of the prison in Port And no doubt it will be glowing. I'm sure he's been involved in, in all the, the proper activities and been a very good boy.
1: I find them even, like, more sinister when they're like that, when they're really pleasant and nice and soft-spoken well, it's, and it's all like, those things. It's, it's like people, like, they can turn it on. I'm sure that, you know, some sports people are, are very nice and then they have a
0: reputation for being, you know, you know pretty tough and ruthless on the pitch or whatever, mm. like, you know, and then they, they come off the pitch and they're the nice as pie. So I guess, you know, when you're going to work, you, you take on a different
1: personality. And as we've said many times, you can meet people like that in the boardroom too, can't you? You certainly, you know. Yes, you could do. <laughs> uh, sentencing is when. <laughs> you could 30th do. You're March, just projecting I, your job. The 30th job. of the March,
0: I think. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's the 30th of March. It's, 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 it's not not far away.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have a look at that maybe at the time and see if there's anything interesting that comes up at that or is said in particular about that money or what it was doing in in. Uh, in an account.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll find out, yeah.
1: hopefully. Excellent. Okay, Eamon, thank you. Thank you, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review, or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland And across the globe.
0: Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday world, your daily dose of what's going on.